Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. Well, it kind of feels like deja vu. I'm talking about the elections that just took place last night. In terms of the media response and the response from conservatives out there, our response to this is the same as it was to the midterm elections. You remember the response to the midterms. I did a great show, a wonderful show, a beautiful show, as Trump might say, uh, the perfect show on that particular election. And I addressed a lot of those issues and concerns. And the reality was that, you know, the, the, the Republicans had uh, exaggerated. They had, they had, you know, had unrealistic expectations is what I should say. And the same thing ha- is happening here. L- let me tell you, before I explain, it's not time to panic, folks. It's not time to panic for one, okay? I just want to tell you that. Was it good? No. Was it bad? Eh. The problem we have with our response to a lot of these elections is that you listening to me, and myself included, we cannot understand how any American at this point can vote for a Democrat. Isn't that correct, Captain? I mean, can you, can you, right? I, I mean, can you, how can anyone vote for the Democrat Party, right? These people embrace infanticide. Literally, they do. I mean, they have the most radical, extreme position on abortion. They're responsible for absolute chaos at the border. They support the open border, which is, of course, responsible for the entry of criminals, not just by virtue of the illegal aliens themselves being criminals by virtue of breaking the law, but drug cartels, fentanyl that's killing our children, also, the strain that it's putting on our economy that's already strained, the, the addition of 10 million illegals who Joe Biden and the Democrats want to pay for, put them in houses that we pay for, give them medical, you know, put them on, you know, socialized medicine effectively that we pay for. They're not contributing. I mean, the, 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 the Middle East situation that's going on, their support of mutilating our children's genitalia. We just talked about the trans killer. That person was radicalized by Democrat talking points, which say what? White people are evil. People that have money and success, they're evil. They're part of the problem. Make the rich pay their fair share. They're the problem. No, the problem's the Democrat party. So we understand this. We see that our nation is teetering on the brink of collapse. And we cannot, for the life of us, comprehend how anyone can continue to support the Democrat Party and the policies that are responsible for the inflation. But here's the thing. You listen to this show or other shows. We speak the truth, as trite as that might sound. So this is the anti-propaganda. But you have to understand that Americans that went to the polls in Kentucky and Virginia in Ohio, throughout the country, in a number of states, Last night, yesterday, they don't hear this message. They do not know what we are talking about. They only hear the propaganda from the left, from the Biden administration. Inflation's not Biden's fault. Everything's fine. Everything's getting better, right? Last year, the second quarter, Joe Biden told us that 
he created over a million jobs in the second quarter, Q2. And we found out that he'd only created 10,000 jobs. But the person voting, they don't know that. They just hear the 1 million jobs created, even though it's an outright lie, and they think the economy's doing great. They go to the grocery store. You know, their debit cards decline because they can't afford groceries anymore. But then they come home and they turn on CNN. And CNN and the Biden administration tells them what? The economy's doing great. It's wonderful. It's better than ever. And I know it's inexplicable. These people will choose to ignore reality. So what's the antidote to that? Who's supposed to tell these American citizens, these unhappy but unknowing, ignorant, I mean that in the true sense of the word, ignorant, they do not know what's going on, they're ignorant people, who's going to tell them the truth? Who's going to tell CNN's not going to do it. Joe Biden's not going to do it. The Democrat Party's not going to do it. They're part of the problem. We have to do it. You have to do it. Other Americans have to do it. Their neighbors, their family members, their friends at church. We are responsible for educating these people. Now, look, when I say deja vu, I mean, there's a couple of things going on. One of the things, of course, it's irritating to me is you understand if you've listened to me for any length of time now. Cue up cut one, Captain. Well, it's Donald Trump's fault. It's Donald Trump's fault. Donald Is Donald Trump on the ballot, Captain? It's not. So, you know, how is it, Captain, that Donald Trump can win these states with overwhelming victories? How is it that Donald Trump can get 10 million almost more votes in 2020 than he did in 2016? And yet, when another Republican candidate loses, it's Trump's fault? Apparently, the Trump brand is great for Trump. Is it his fault that these other candidates can't tap into what Trump has? And this is the thing, too. We hear this, Trump can't win. He's not popular. Nobody likes Trump. I mean, I told you about 2020 and the 10 million more votes. What does that tell you, objectively? He grew in popularity. So, I mean, you have to twist yourself into pretzels, as they say, to make this argument. So anyway, the delusional DeSantis campaign... They were out there to take advantage of this loss for some Republicans in some races. And of course, I'll give you the actual facts in a minute that lay out what actually happened as opposed to the propaganda and the emotional responses to it. And that's what we've got to do here. I know I can be an emotional guy. I can be a passionate guy. And it's part of my show. It's fun. It's enjoyable. And it's sincere. But I'm also level-headed. And I also will tell you the truth. But anyway, I want, to, I want you to hear the loathsome DeSantis campaign, their spin of what happened in the elections. Go ahead, Captain, play it. I think that argument, all you got to do is look at last night and then early on. It wasn't just last night. Republicans have been losing elections now for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Loss after loss after loss. We need a new leader 
for the party, somebody that's a proven winner. And that person is Ron DeSantis. I think last night it, it teed it up perfectly. We need somebody that delivers results. And uh, that's just not the former president anymore. Now, firstly, the DeSantis campaign and the Never Trumpers have fought our own movement and the MAGA movement and the Trump movement tooth and nail. Now, if they had actually supported Trump, we might actually have more success. We have a Mitch McConnell and a Republican establishment that does not fund these races, that has no interest in winning these races. That's the Uniparty. That's people that are happy to lose as long as they're getting a paycheck, as long as they're getting a piece of the pie. Right? That's your rhinos. Donald Trump is not that person. And loss after loss after loss. I mean, what happened in Virginia? Not this time, but just a couple of years ago in 2021. Well, we got a Republican governor. We got a Republican lieutenant governor. And in many ways, the state turned red and it was over parental issues. So sometimes it's issues. And you have to be able to mount an offense against them. And, and unfortunately, it is this way. Now, maybe, maybe abortion had to do with some of these states and so on and so forth. But I'll, I'll get to that in a second. I'll, let me stick with DeSantis here. He's a proven winner. You know, last time I checked, Captain, Ron DeSantis has never won a presidential election. Last time I checked, both gubernatorial campaigns, both gubernatorial races that Ron DeSantis won, he was endorsed by Donald Trump. So what do you mean? He's a winner? Has, has, has Ron DeSantis gone throughout the country and endorsed candidates and picked candidates and tried to help candidates apart from getting on stage for Donald Trump in 2020 and kissing his rear? He has not. He has not. Now, look, there's something to be said for governance prior to Ron DeSantis exposing himself as a self-righteous, sanctimonious, ambitious person who could not wait, who has frankly betrayed uh, the movement that has supported him because those were inseparable. MAGA did support him. Well, while he was governor, the state did become more red. And a lot of that, of course, had to do with people moving from blue states to Florida. Florida was perceived as this beacon of freedom. And he deserves credit for that reputation. And so people came in there. And they reinforced the redness of Florida. So good for him. Good for him. But he didn't, you know, it's, it's not like he was out there handpicking the people that ran for the legislature. He wasn't out there saying, vote for this person. He had a Republican wave in Florida. But these other states aren't red states. They didn't have this influx of conservative voters. Virginia is not a red state. I mean, if anything, it's a purple state. Now, what happened in 2021 was great. But it doesn't mean that, you know, the state was permanently turned into some conservative. It was not. And frankly... Youngkin, I would ask, I mean, what has Youngkin done, really, in Virginia since he's been elected? Nothing. You never hear about him. You never hear. Now, Youngkin wanted to pass 
and he vowed to pass part of his, you know, pitch to elect more Republicans was a 15-week abortion ban. So that means you have four months to murder your unborn child. And that's controversial? Captain, how is that controversial? I, I really can't understand. Four months? You got four months to kill your baby and you can't do it? That's a problem for you? All right, you got 50... You know, I bring up this story. I think anyone who's had children understands this. But, you know, you go in there for an eight, nine, ten-week sonogram, and the baby has its limbs. You can see its fingers. You can see it formed in the womb. No parent who's seen those images who's touched the mother's stomach and felt the movement at four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, get to eight weeks, get to 12 weeks, would say this isn't a living human being. You can call it a fetus. You can call it whatever you want, but it's alive. If it weren't alive, you wouldn't be have to kill it, would you? And by the way, we have no emotion, no concern about murdering a 15-week-old child. But if I were to film myself going to a bird's nest and stomping on the eggs while the mother bird was away, uh, I'd have people threatening to kill me. So, you know, we care a lot more for the lives of unhatched sea turtles than we do unborn human babies. But anyway... I don't buy it that this uh, abortion issue is the one thing that killed us. I, I really don't. I mean, there are there's some truth to it, but it's exaggerated. And the problem is the Democrats are always going to come up with some single issue that's supposed to drive voter turnout. At the end of the day, how do you win or lose? Who wins? The person who gets the most votes. I know you're saying, Drew, that's such common sense. Of course. Yes, but think about it. It's the person who gets the most votes. So it's the party that's able to mobilize the most voters. And the Democrat Party's always been superior at doing that. Now, we just had a race to remind you in Louisiana, just in October, that nobody wants to talk about. It's like we have amnesia. Oh, we didn't win this governorship in Kentucky and it's Trump's fault. Well, in Louisiana, we destroyed the Democrats. Louisianans elected the first Republican governor in eight years, and it wasn't even close. But Louisiana, by the way, only 36% of, of the voters turned out to vote in that race. And Democrats really didn't show up. And there's a lot of black people in Louisiana, and they weren't motivated to turn out to vote. And there's a warning in this, even though that was good news in Louisiana that we won that race. We have people on our side. Look, I'll be the first to tell you, I write about it in my book, I explain it. Did the Democrats steal the 2020 election? Yes, they did. Do Democrats cheat? Yes, they do. Occasionally, Republicans even cheat. But it's widespread with the Democrat Party. And a couple episodes ago, I recounted, I told you about the election in Connecticut in which a judge threw out the results of a Democrat mayoral race because there was evidence of cheating. So Democrats were cheating 
to steal an election from Democrats. Democrat versus Democrat, and they cheated. But when I hear people just dismiss every loss that we have as cheating, it's irresponsible. Because it makes Republican voters think that elections don't matter. And if Republican voters believe elections don't matter, they don't vote. And then we will never win an election because no one's going to show up and Democrats are always going to show up and outperform Republicans because Republicans just say, well, it doesn't matter. I can't win anymore. They're cheating. Yes, they're cheating and we need to vote. That's the attitude. They're cheating and we need to vote. We always have to do what's in our control. Yes, do we need to get rid of Ronna McDaniel? Yes. Do we need to be doing everything in our power to make sure that we go to paper ballots? Yes, we do. Do we need to shore up? Yes, we do. But, you know, there's different tasks. And most of us, our task is to vote. To vote, to be informed and vote. And not just to vote, but to inform other people about what's at stake and what they need to do. And to bring other people to the polls. That person sitting at home that's a Republican, a family member that says, nah, I'm not going to vote in this because it doesn't matter. No, 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 no. You tell them it matters and you drag them to the polls. That's what we have to do. So I'm not going to accept this defeatist attitude where we just give up. We're not going to vote anymore because it's all rigged. (laughs) You got no chance then. But just a couple of takeaways here. So, firstly, the Republican Party has no coherent messaging. What does the Republican Party stand for? I don't know. I have no idea. I know what I stand for. I know what conservatives stand for. But I don't see it communicated by people that want to be elected to office. I don't see Mitch McConnell communicating any kind of message. In fact, well, you know, he can't communicate now at all. He's, he's, uh, you know, not all there anymore. But I just want to go over, for, over a few numbers with you. So in Virginia, by the way, in 2021, when we took back the governorship and we took back, um, what, 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 we took the, One of the houses. So it was a split government in Virginia to begin with. So we turned and flipped the, I don't know if it was the House or the Senate. I I can't, I can't remember right now. But anyway, we flipped one of them. And so it was still a split government. But it was a success for Republicans. Democrats couldn't believe it. Well, now what happened? The Democrats held what they had, the House or the Senate, and they took back the other one. Okay. I mean, I'm not shocked by that. But here's some numbers. Youngkin, in 2021, he got nearly 1.7 million votes for governor. He won by less than 64,000 votes. Now, Biden won Virginia in 2020 by 10 points. So Virginians voted for a Democrat president, and then they turned around and voted for a Republican governor. You see, there's not a lot of association with some of these states between a national race and a statewide race. I know that's hard to understand, but it's just the truth. And there's always greater voter turnout for national elections than local elections. Now, this is a problem. If we could educate and inform conservatives, Republicans, about the importance of statewide elections, we'd have an upper hand. But, you know, so Youngkin got 1.7 million votes in 2021 for governor. Donald Trump got 1.96 million votes. So, you know, more people showed up to vote for Trump than they did Youngkin. And this is my point, too. You'll see this trend. 
Like, for example, in Kentucky, Andy Bashir, who was the incumbent governor, the Democrat, he beat Daniel Cameron. 694,000 to 627,000 votes. But a Republican won the attorney general. A Republican won the secretary of state. So the only really, honestly, we, we, Republicans won almost everything in Kentucky. Except the governorship. And it's not as simple as to say that, well, Daniel Cameron, you know, he was a Mitch McConnell guy and that's the only reason. Yeah, that might have played into it to, because there wasn't excitement. But let me give you an example. I mean, this doesn't make sense to me. It's crazy, Captain. When you look at these numbers, explain. listen to this. So you had elections in Kentucky, right? State elections. So 694,000, well, let's do it this way. 627,000 Republicans or people voted for Daniel Cameron, the Republican. 544,000 voted for the Republican Attorney General. So why did more people, nearly 100,000 more people vote for the governor, the Republican governor, than voted for the Republican Attorney General? And then when you get to the Secretary of State, 510,000 voted for the Republican. Sorry, 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 sorry. I'm doing this wrong. I'm doing this wrong. Hold on. Okay. Let's get back to this. It's, it's because of the way I, I wrote this list. Daniel Cameron got 627,000 votes and lost. But the Republican Attorney General, who won, got 752,000 votes. So, okay, this is my point. Why did, why did more than 100,000 more people vote for the Republican Attorney General than voted for the Republican governor? I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying this stuff doesn't make any sense to me. Somebody please explain it to me. And in 2020, by the way, 1.3 million people voted for Trump. Trump destroyed Biden in, the, in Kentucky. So, you, so what I'm telling you is Kentucky, the, citizen, the residents of Kentucky, they voted overwhelmingly for Trump a Republican, but then they voted for a Democrat governor, which tells you what? Trump is unique. Trump is Trump. What is Trump doing that Daniel Cameron didn't do? What is Trump doing that a lot of these people aren't doing? Well, he's speaking his mind. He's got a clear message. I mean, he's a special guy too. He can speak off the cuff. He's inspirational. Some people don't like his personality. But for every person that doesn't like his personality, apparently there are a lot of people that do. And I point to 2020 again. Well, okay, you don't like his personality. Well, somehow he got 10 million more votes than he did in 2016. So, you know, turnout. Where were the Republicans? I mean, look, 1.3 million people voted for Donald Trump. Those people didn't show up for Daniel Cameron. I mean, it's astonishing to me. Astonishing. And then in, in Ohio, of course, you had a couple ballot initiatives. The Ohioans voted for legalizing pot, and they voted for a right to abortion. 2.2 million to 1.7 million voted for the constitutional right to abortion, and not even all the votes have been counted. There's like 300,000 more outstanding, but 
Suffice it to say that Ohioans really think abortion is important. Really think abortion is important. So I, I don't know. I mean, was abortion the driving issue in Kentucky? I mean, I, a lot of Democrats are saying that is. Or if you listen to the DeSantis camp, it's Trump's fault. It's not Trump's fault, folks. It's not Trump's fault. It's these candidates' fault. It's the GOP's fault that's not funding these people. It's a lack of coherent messaging. It's all of those things. And it's us, frankly. We didn't do a good enough job communicating. And I'm sorry. If we cannot convince our fellow citizens that a 15-week abortion ban is reasonable, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. But, you know, abortion for... I mean, I, this is the... So, okay, do we just accept, say, well, we can't win an election if we, you know, want any abortion limits. We have to adopt the left's position to win elections. Do we get rid of our principle? No, I don't think so. And I don't believe that. You can persuade people. You just have to... I don't have time to do it on this episode, but you've got to frame it. You've got to explain it better. You can't be on the defense all the time, and that's what we are. You know, the, the Democrats were brilliant. You know, we want to take away a woman's right to choose. Meanwhile, these same people wanted you to get fired if you didn't get the COVID jab. Bodily autonomy. No, no, only when it suits them. And I'm sorry. Women are not, you know, Mother Mary. It's not immaculate conception. It takes behavior and activity to get pregnant. I'm sorry to say if that's news to you. So, you know, do I think that we can have exceptions, like Reagan said, for rape and incest? Fine, okay. I don't have to die on that hill. Although, I'll just point it out to you. It doesn't follow the logic of the pro-life movement. If you believe that the unborn life is sacred, well, even if it's incest or even if it's rape, is that still not an innocent, precious life? It is, you know? So, you know, I'm not saying that you can't have exceptions for rape and incest, but I'm just pointing out, you know, the moral quandary that we have when we actually get into this issue. Um, you know, queue up cut two, Captain. So I'm going to move on from this for a minute, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a number of things, and we've got to do a better job. We've got to do a better job. I mean, we, we didn't turn out to vote. We didn't turn out to vote. I don't know why. Because people don't understand the importance of local elections, apparently. That's the reality. But, you know, th this is the thing, too. I would just end with this, uh, about this uh, election. We shouldn't be that surprised. Uh, I mean, you know, it's... there are still Democrats out there. I don't know what to tell you. They're still out there. Virginia is not a bright blue state. So, obviously, we have a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. It's not over. It's not the end of the world. But again, surprise, not everyone is educated, obviously. They're still voting for Democrats. All right. Uh, I want you to hear Hillary Clinton just to end with what a despicable human being she is. I want you to hear her on The View recently, the dumbest show on television. Go ahead and play it, Captain. People would get legitimately elected mm -hmm. 
And then they would try to do away with elections and do away with opposition and do away with a free press. And you could see it in countries where, well, Hitler was duly elected. That's right. Right. And so all of a sudden, somebody with those tendencies, though, dictatorial, authoritarian tendencies would be like, oh, OK, we're going to shut this down. We're going to throw these people in jail. And, and they didn't usually telegraph that. Trump is telling us yes. what he intends yes. to right. do. Uh, it's a, it's incredible. Also, why is she on The View? You know, somebody has to set this up. I don't know if The View reached out to her to have this irrelevant human being on there to talk. I mean, is she, is she, does she think she's going to run for president again, Captain? I, mean, I don't know what she's thinking. I mean, it'd be better if I never heard from her again, but apparently she keeps, I don't know, being raised from the dead. I mean, you just cannot get rid of this person. But there she is comparing Trump to Hitler. Now, this is a woman, a woman, who, if she was a normal American, would be in prison at a minimum. Her Clinton Foundation was the predecessor of what Joe Biden's guilty of now. Selling her position or potential influence in this government to other people, to foreign nations. That's what the Clinton Global Initiative, the Clinton Foundation was. And of course, remember, as soon as it was clear that she wasn't going to be president of the United States... All the money dried up, stopped coming in. And we know that she spent all her expenses. I mean, sorry, all of the money went to her own salaries. But it was, of course, pitched and billed as a nonprofit. So, you know, this is a woman who tried to, well, she, she engaged in a coup in America. She invented the Trump-Russia collusion hoax to try and unseat a duly elected president. Fabricated it paid somebody to put together a fake dossier that was not corroborated, that was just a bunch of salacious lies, intended to make the case that Trump stole the election in 2016 by colluding with the Kremlin. And then that was used to try and destroy Trump's first administration. I say first because hopefully, God willing, we have a second. But there she is, mouthing off Trump's, you know, in, in Nazi Germany, going, going after your political, who's doing that right now? Them. This is the gaslighting that's taking place in America. And Trump, when he says, when he gets in there, he'll go after people. It's not the same thing. Because if I was in there, I'd be making sure she was investigated all day long, and I would stick her in a prison for the rest of her life. Because she's actually guilty. These people are actually guilty. You know, there's a difference. I don't know if you know this, if you're a Democrat listening, but there's a difference in going after guilty people and going after innocent people and accusing them of crimes they didn't do. There's a difference in that and going after people who actually committed crimes. There's a difference in seeing evidence of a crime and then going after that person and investigating them and investigating someone because you don't like them and searching for a crime. So, you know, she's right about the Nazis. She's right about these things going on, but it's not Trump who's responsible for it. It's the Democrat Party. It's the Democrat Party. All right. I, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll end on that note. Um, I, I, let me just tell you this one quick thing, share this with you. There's a website, it's called Honest Reporting. And I just want you to know, this was a breaking story today. On October 7th, it turns out that the Hamas terror, October 7th is when the Hamas terrorists slaughtered a bunch of innocent 
Jews, and Americans, at the music festival. Well, on October 7th, these Hamas terrorists, they weren't the only ones who documented their war crimes that they had committed. Some of their atrocities were captured by Gaza-based photojournalists working for the Associated Press and Reuters news agencies, whose early morning presence at the breached border area raises serious ethical questions. So you had reporters who were on the ground with Hamas to photograph what they were doing, which tells you that these journalists knew the attack was going to take place. These journalists for Reuters and the Associated Press knew that mass murder was going to happen and they didn't say anything about it. In fact, they went there to take pictures of it happening. But of course, as I told you, the Associated Press did share office space with Hamas in a building that was later blown up. There is evil afoot. But we are the barrier. We are the good ones that are going to fight back no matter how hard it is, no matter how long it takes, and we will take back this country. And there will be justice. All right, this is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth. God bless you all, and until Talk to my friend next Drew time. Allen. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. Has Drew died Allen. Hard conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom.